You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Sunday School last week and Mr. Pierce grabbed me and went, Hey, your prayers have been answered. He takes me to the back and he shows me that Doug had done this. So I went, well, see, he's not that bad of a thorn. So, <clears throat> all right. So the other thing was is I took, good morning. Took some abuse last week from Isaac about not opening up with a joke. So to bring things back into, into swing, you guys remember David Letterman and he used to do his top ten? So here are the top ten reasons why Eve was created. Number ten. God was worried that Adam would frequently become lost in the garden because he would not ask for directions. God knew that one day Adam would require someone to locate and hand him the remote. Number eight, God knew Adam would never go out and buy himself a new fig leaf once he wore out the old one. Therefore, Eve needed to go buy him a new one. Number seven, God knew Adam would never be able to make a doctor, dentist, or hair cut appointment for himself. Some of these seem to be hitting at home. Number six, God knew Adam would never remember which night to put the garbage out on the curb. Number five, God knew it would, if the world were to be populated, men would never be able to handle the pain and discomfort of childbearing. Number four, as the keeper of the garden, since he didn't have the metal sheds or greenhouses, Adam would never remember where he left his tools. Number three, apparently Adam needed someone to blame his troubles on when God caught him hiding in the garden. Number two, as the Bible says, it is not good for man to be alone. And the number one reason why God created Eve is when God finished the creation of Adam, he stepped back, scratched his head, and said, I can do better than that. (laughs) I thought you'd like that. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We've been talking about the last couple of lessons, or actually this month, on hope. And as we have taken our step, we originally identified what hope was. We talked last week about prayer, and we'll get back into a little bit more of a review. This week we're going to talk a little bit about faith. So let's start off in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through verse 10. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his transition, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, is it impossible to please him? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being warned of God of these things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, 
by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, which he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise and in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which he hath foundations, who's the builder and maker is God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come into your house this morning. Father, again, I'm humbly asked that you use me as your servant this morning. Father, that your words go forth this morning. I know it's not of me, Lord, but of you. Be with the rest of the teachers this morning. Father, we just pray a blessing from this morning's service. And we thank you in your sons and we pray. Amen. So basically, as we talked about in review, when we first started in the first week, we talked about how we had to have hope and that our hope was in a God who is able. Our God is able to save us. He's able to keep us from sin. He's able to supply our needs. He's able to heal disease. He's able to build us up in grace. He is able to exceed our expectations, and he's able to fulfill his promises. So that's where we kind of started with. Last week, we talked a little bit more about hope, being that hope is defined as to cherish a desire with anticipation. It's to want something to happen or to be true. The opposite of that is despair. Despair is basically to lose all hope and confidence. And the world, that's where the world is today. The world has lost hope because they don't have hope in the God that we know. If you look through the world today, they're in despair, either through, you know, they're living in countries that have been taken over by dictators. They're living in places where they don't have enough to eat. Or there is stuff, but it's hoarded somewhere else. They're living in a place where they just have nothing. They want to be nothing, nothing inside. They're looking for something. You know, pastors talked about it many times. So that's why people turn to drugs, to alcohol, to other things, to try to find something to fill that gap, something to get them out of despair. They're looking for something to hope in. And we have that hope. Those of us that believe in Jesus Christ have that hope. And we need to take that hope and share it with others to help them there. We talked about that it's, it's a desire with the expectation to obtain fulfillment. I mean, that's what we want in life. We want in our life to have some fulfillment. We're looking for something to fill that gap. And again, people use different things. It might be putting their lives into their kids. You know, um, their kids are involved in numbers of sports. They're gone every weekend. They're traveling all week, and they're, all, they're coming back going, oh, I'm exhausted. I don't know why. Well, it's because they're putting their focus. They're looking to be fulfilled into what their kids are doing for them. They're living their dreams through their kids. And the same thing with us in our lives is, you know, do we look for fulfillment in, in, through work? You know, it's doing a good job. It's that boss coming up and patting us on the back saying, hey, nice job. You know, is coming up and doing things around the church so that the pastor will say, hey, thanks. Well, you know, what are the right reasons that you're looking to be that fulfilled? You're looking for that fulfillment. He said hope is not static. It's, it's not passive. It's not just something that you just step back on. It's, it's an action. It's dynamic. It's active. 
And that's where we find ourselves this morning. For hope, the first step was to pray. We kind of look at prayer as kind of a bridge. You know, God's over here, we're over here. The prayer gives us that time for communion, time for fellowship. It's to keep him focused in everything that we do. Because when we do that, we keep our focus on him, we don't get sidetracked into what's around us. We think of, as we talked last week about Elijah, as the fact that he had the promise of rain to come, yet he continued to pray for God to deliver. Although he knew it was coming, he continued to pray. So if, if prayer is our bridge, faith is what gets us there. We have to take a step. Um, Mark 9.23 says, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. That's where it comes into. That's where that faith is. I'm, I'm going to step out of the realm of normalcy here for a minute. I'm going to reference an, a movie. And I know, you know we don't... Let me go on. Indiana Jones, Search the Holy Grail. There's a spot in the movie where he's got a cavern that he's looking at, and it just says, take a step of faith. And finally, in the part of the movie, he steps, and there's a bridge. Bridge is kind of hidden, but that's kind of for us. We often need to, to take that step when, it, when we don't see what's ahead of us. We're not sure what's ahead of us. All we need is take that step. Because then from that step ends another step, and then another step. And that's what faith is all about. It's putting that into practice. James 2.17 says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So faith is that, and that's where faith and hope sometimes get confused, in where faith is actually an action. It's you stepping out. It's you doing something. You know, God opens a door. Do we often step through that door? Or do we try to sneak out the window? You know, that's where God has that. That's why if, the, if it's of God, that door may close. That's how we can tell. Um, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. As I prepared this lesson for faith, I could have used any of the examples that we started out with. All of those are good Good references of faith. You know, even from Abraham when he had to step out and leave his country. You know, he just, he did it. There was probably some, some issues there, but he went out. Same with Noah. You don't see Noah questioning a lot about building the ark. He just did it. And there are many other examples throughout where we see faith put into action. But sometimes we need a reference to somebody who's kind of more like what we would do. And one of my favorite Bible characters is Martha, you know, the sister of Mary, because I can relate to her. Um, there are things that in her life that I, that, I, that I take a lot of. And partly I also get to see the fact that I can bet she's a prophet because I see, well, as we'll read some of her actions, it reminds me of my wife. So, Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, 
And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore to, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. So the story is, is not one that you haven't heard before. Jesus has come to his friend Lazarus' house. And Martha, being the kind-hearted servant, she wants to make sure that everything's going well. She's you know, making sure the kitchen's happening, that the, the, the guests are served, and yet she's just going at it, and she realizes, where's my sister? You know, where is that Mary at? She should be up here helping me. And she finds her at Jesus' feet. So this is where I think she's somewhat of a prophet because she knew who Jesus was, yet she goes right to him. And I mean, she doesn't, she's not, from the way I read into this, and again, this is my opinion, that, you know, she's not coming in a, in a, tender, in a tender spirit. I think she's a little upset. You know, and when she comes to going, Lord, does thou now care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I mean, she's upset. And that's where, I, that's where I think her and I have a lot in common is that, you know, you hear the 80-20 rule. You know, 20% do 80% of the work. And for a long time, and many of you don't know this, is that I went through a struggle when we first started this church, is that, you know, we would, we would go on Saturdays and set up. And then when church was over, we'd tear down. Now, a lot of people helped, but there were a lot that didn't. And I'm thinking, you know, I want to get out of here just as well as anybody else. But, you know, why isn't everybody helping? And I struggled with that for a while until this came back. It finally happened to come through this in my devotions. And it finally dawned on me that I was a lot like Martha. I was more worried about me and the fact that look at what, look at what I wasn't able to get done. Or I wasn't able to enjoy the time that everybody else did. Because I was working because we were working our butts off to get everything done and cleaned up. It took a while. This came, to, this came to light, and then I was able to give that to the Lord, and after that, no problem. But, I mean, that's where I can, court, I can really appreciate who Martha is, because I see a lot of that in me. She's working really hard. She sees her sister, and, and then she goes to him and confronts him. Now, all of that is kind of an introduction for where I'm going to go. You know who Martha is. You know that Martha is one that kind of lays it out there. Let's turn to John chapter 11. Oops, wrong one. Again, another familiar story to, to all of you. Something that you, you, you know very much about. So we're going to read, we'll start with uh, verse 1 through 14. And now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It, is, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, 
but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I find that interesting that he noted Martha instead of Mary. Don't know why, but I just thought that was interesting. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days, still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go unto Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of, the world, of this world. But if a man walketh in night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of the sleep. So Lazarus is sick, actually. So the sisters send a note off to Jesus because they know he can heal him. They know he loves him, that he would do anything for him. Yet Jesus knew what was to come, that he waited two days before he even left. You would have thought that, you know, if it was somebody that I knew that needed something, you know, we'd have been in the car going. You know, we've had um, our grandson in Kansas was, was sick, and Pansy jumped right in the car, called me. We were up at the camping trip. She calls me at 6 in the morning. I'm like, who's calling me at 6 in the morning? And it's Pansy. Okay, what's going on? Well, Aiden's sick. I'm going to Kansas. Never thought about anything else, just... Boom, she was gone. You know, and that's how I think most of us would be, is if we knew somebody that was hurting somebody that needed something, we'd drop pretty much what we were doing and get there to help. But Jesus waited. But he knew why. So let's move on. Actually, by the time he gets there, it's four days that, that Lazarus has been dead. So who's the first one that he sees? Is Martha. Let's look down in 17 through 21. Then when Jesus came, he found that he was laying in the grave <clears throat> four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to confront them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still at the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. So Martha had faith. She had hope that Jesus could heal her brother. That's why she sent for him. So she had that faith. That's why she stepped out. But then she goes on and says, But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Now, this is where Martha loses track here a little bit. And this is where I think it's common with us because I think our answer may have been somewhat the same. Because Martha goes on to say, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she was focused on, yep, Lord, I know from what your teachings are, there will be a resurrection down the road. And I know that Lazarus will rise there. She completely blew off the fact that he could raise him again at that point. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believeth in me, thou, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she continues. I'll just keep reading because it kind of flows right through here. She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she said, had said so said, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master's come and calleth for thee. So she knew that there was a power. She knew who Jesus was. But she was often not, she was not focused on what could happen. She was looking for there. And I think that's with us. When we have hopes and we have faith in what God will do, we, we sometimes look it down the road. We don't look at now. You know, again, we, I, I mentioned this in, the first, in our first lesson. When something happens to us, where do we often turn to first? We don't turn to God. We turn to our friends. We turn to our family. We turn to the church. That's where we look for for help. And I think it's often after those are exhausted, then we sometimes go, well, I guess I better need to, I, best, I guess we should now go to the Lord. Where that should be the first place that we should go for answer prayer and for help. Let's go to verse 39. Actually, let's, let's, let's pick up a little bit. Let's go to 34. And it said... We have ye laid, or let me back up even further, I guess. Let me go to 32. Then when Mary was come, when Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, and saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Similar to what Martha had said. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have, where have ye laid him? Then said unto him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. So they knew there was a connection there between Jesus and Lazarus. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened their eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? So there was knowledge of what the miracles that Jesus had done. Jesus therefore again groaning in himself coming to the grave, it was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, take away thy stone. Here comes Martha. Here comes the prophet Martha. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. He'd been dead for four days. Now, was she right? Yeah, she was right. I mean, there wasn't, the, the, there wasn't a refrigerated cave. There wasn't a place where he was embalmed. You know, they, they put all kinds of spices and, and things on top of the bodies to help cut down the smell. But four days in Israel heat? I mean, think of something outside for four days, the last couple of days we've had. It's going to rot in pretty quick. So that's, again, that's where Martha was, was thinking. Completely took her mind off the now and was looking at the future. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And this is where the faith gets put into practice. 
They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that thou may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he is thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. So there was the faith. Even though Martha was hesitant, she used reasoning, she hesitated. How often are we in that same boat? Well, God, you can't do that because, you know, you, won't, you can't save this loved one because they're bitter. They've had all this go against them. There is no way that they're going to come to know you. Still praying for it, but there's a lack of confidence. There's a lack of faith. The same thing with things being done. How, are we, how am I ever going to see somebody recover from this illness? Lord, I know you can, but are you really going to? Or do you not realize how bad things are? You know, sometimes we forget that God is all-knowing and all-powerful, and he's in control of everything. Yet we want to have faith, we want to have hope, we want to pray through all of this, but yet in the little small voice in our mind, there's doubt. And that's where we need to overcome that piece of doubt. Because that's how we'll see God perform miracles. I mean, and that's what he is. He's a God of miracles. I mean, we look at our lives today. It's a miracle that we're born in this country. I mean, do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about just how blessed we are as a people that we're here? I mean, we could be in North Korea, for goodness sakes. Imagine that. Or we could be in... Some countries in Africa where there's all kinds of war and turmoil. But God has placed you here for a reason. And we need to realize that you have to take that step. You have to take that step. And that's what the people there at Lazarus' tomb did. They took that step. I don't doubt for a minute there were skeptics in that crowd as they rolled that stone away to go, Oh, this is going to get nasty. You know, he's, going to, he's not going to be able to do it. I mean, they've seen miracles that he's performed. But as a reference here, that the ones they remembered of seeing the eyes of the blind being opened. But they were more focused on the fact that Jesus could have prevented his death, but not the fact that he could, have, he could raise him from the dead. And the fact that he'd been dead for four days, you know, you want to talk about a zombie apocalypse, you know, thinking of a guy being dead for four years coming out of a grave, four days coming out of a grave, that's going to be pretty smelly. But we know what happens. How often do we argue with God? In verse 40, Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. How often do we forget that? that we, we, we have faith, but do we really believe? Do we really believe that God will do that? Yeah, I know, God, you can do this thing. Yeah, kind of. But that's where we need to put our faith and trust. Jesus needed her to believe. 
he needed her to understand that that was going to come. Because I believe it was Martha's is the one that told him, move the stone. I don't think they'd have moved it otherwise. She believed and told him to do that. Miracles depend on faith, and that's where that falls into play. Discussion ended up leading to obedience. And that's what God wants from us. He wants our obedience. He will put us in positions where we have to step out by faith, and that step is the step of obedience. We don't often know what it is, and sometimes we don't understand what it is, but we've just got to take that step to obedience. Often logic gets in the way, just like with Martha. Everything she said was true. Often we let the teachings of this world affect our decisions because it just doesn't make sense. How can God do this with everything going against us? You know, how can God heal? How can God provide? Because logically, it doesn't make sense. But God does. Our faith is measured by sometimes our feet and not our feelings. You know, we can feel like we have faith, but until we put that faith into action, that's the true test. Matthew thirteen fifty eight says, And he did not many works there because of their unbelief. Talks about when Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth. He couldn't work miracles there because they just couldn't believe in him. He could have, but that was where it went. So in conclusion, hope. We all need to have hope. We cannot function without our hope in Jesus Christ. You know, as our days go through and we see things come our way and things get bad and things get ugly and we see the news of this possible war and we see of this possible, we see of all the earthquakes that have happened recently in Mexico, the hurricanes that have hit through Texas and Florida, those are people that need hope. They need to know that there's an answer. But their answer isn't physically. Their hope has to be in spiritually. Because no matter what happens to them in the physical realm, it's where they're going to end up in eternity is the most important part of it. We talked about prayer and the fact that for us to have that access to God, for us to be able to put out our request to him, we need to have a prayer life. And to do that, we need to have that fellowship with him. We need to make sure that things are clear with us so that there's nothing in between. And then it comes to faith. It's putting what we have in practice, taking that step. I want to leave you with this. I don't know if you've seen recently in the news there's been an outcry at Hobby Lobby. I don't know if you've been to a Hobby Lobby. It's a, it's a women's arts and craftsy store. I hate going in that store. My wife loves that store. You know, there's, oh, let's put this on the wall, or we could buy this to put up there. But recently they put out a centerpiece of cotton, you know, a, a, like a branch of where it had, still had the cotton on it became a internet sensation about how insensitive they were to put that out there. I'd have never in my mind walked into there and I'd have probably thought, that's stupid, let's move on. But somebody saw that and was like, oh, this is offensive. I, I can't believe they put this out in here. Don't they know what this means? And, and I read through that 
and then I read some other news commentaries, and one, one, one commentary said this. You know, you live in a blessed time when that's all you got to worry about. You know, when you're not worried about where's my meal going to come from, you know, where am I going to have a house for my family, you know, how am I going to be able to support what I need to, when you have to have time to worry about a stupid centerpiece, sorry, I use stupid, but when you have to worry about a centerpiece and that's what you have to worry about, boy, you're awful blessed. And how often do we forget that in our lives when we worry about the minute things to go, <gasps> you know, somebody didn't pick up the living room, which is often an issue at my house, you know, or dishes haven't been done. <gasps> Seth, why didn't you get the dishes done? You know, too busy. Doing what? Never mind. You know, and you can get upset with those things. And, and, you know, with our children and at work, you know, the things that happen at work, and you're like going, ugh. But if that's what I got to worry about, I live a pretty blessed life. So what are you hoping for? What is it in your life that you're hoping for? Take it to the Lord in prayer and put it into action. Isaac, close in word of prayer. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.